Our ninth reading is from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Before we come to our brief study this evening out of John's Gospel, I want to thank you for coming and for spending time reflecting again on this most magical of nights on what it means that God became a human being and lived among us and died for us and rose again that we might be with him forever. Our offering tonight uh, is to two uh, very worthwhile uh, local agencies, local ministries. The first is well known to you, it's our own emergency food bank, and we have discovered during this past year that there is a real need for diapers for families, and we often find ourselves running out of supplies. So part of our offering tonight is to donate to the food pantry to allow them to buy supplies for babies. And on that same note, there are friends of ours in the East End, in the East End Pregnancy Center, Pregnancy Resource Center, who are doing a great work uh, being available to women in crisis, supporting women through times of pregnancy, and we want to support them. So we are also uh, going to give to them tonight, both here um, at the back of uh, the, uh, the foyer there, you'll find a place to uh, deposit any donation you want to give. Uh, there's also a capacity online. Here again what John says as we come to our reading and our study. John says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. By any reckoning, I think we can say officially that this has been a difficult year for everyone on the planet. First and foremost, no matter what you think about the response to the pandemic, the whole globe has suffered from a disease that we weren't prepared for, and millions have lost their lives, and millions have lost their livelihoods. If it, there ever was a contender for a dark year in our century, and perhaps for centuries since, it would be this one. I was trying to think of uh, remedies and, and bright spots from, from the year with COVID, and the only thing I can come up with is that we all picked up a fashion accessory. But apart from that, if that wasn't bad enough, let me recount for you some of the other incidents this year. The year began with massive fires in Australia, do you remember that? And it continued, you remember, with fires here, particularly on the West Coast. The stock market fell, in fact, it made its worst fall ever in 2020. Killer bees invaded our west coast and our southern border. 
there was a massive explosion in the country of Lebanon. And then we had another close and contentious election, only slightly nicer than the election of 1800. And finally, to top it all off, Harry, Meghan and Archie left the British royal family and moved to Los Angeles, which I know you're particularly cut up about. Our family received a Christmas card last week which read simply, Good Riddance 2020. And the rest of us, I suppose, should ask, how has 2020 been for you? My guess is universally, and I know because we've told each other this, it has been an exceedingly difficult year. I don't think any of us will be sorry to see it go. I have found over the years that I have an annual response to the difficulties of my life. It involves at this time of year running around like a chicken with no head for the 12 days of Christmas, getting stuck in endless traffic jams, endless lines, fruitlessly looking for the cheapest deal online, then spending money I don't uh, have to buy, stuff I don't need. And I wonder, is any of that really, even though we do it year after year, what John meant when he said the light will shine in the darkness? Is this what Christmas is, a distraction, a kind of semi-religious shopping spree, a step inside from the darkness for a, for a few days from the real world before we have to trudge back out again into the crushing reality of the way that things are? Or is there light which is able, able to shine in all the darknesses, even of our own manufacturing? Where are we as we look to this new year? Where well, we're hopeful, aren't we? Medically, we are waiting a vaccine. But spiritually, I think, even as a nation, we are searching for something else which we as a people desperately need. In all this darkness that we've experienced, not grasping and grabbing and getting for ourselves, but looking for something unique, some light of example, something different from the rest of us, shining out like a light, standing like a candle in a solitary window. After some searching, I found two encouraging examples. The first is from one of my favorite Christmas movies. We uh, were asking our family today uh, online what their five favorite Christmas movies are. And it's not difficult to come up with five that you really are attached to. And close to uh, uh, the Muppet Christmas Carol, which has always been one of my classical favorites. The next uh, was 1971's version of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory and the character of young Charlie Bucket. You remember the story, how at the end of his tour around uh, Willy Wonka's chocolate factory, and here comes a 50-year-old spoiler, uh, Charlie, who, because he's the only child left, has expected to be the winner of the grand supply, which, as you will remember, is the lifetime supply of chocolate. And instead, he's roughly shown the exit by Willy Wonka because, as it turns out, he has broken the rules he and Grandpa Joe have stolen fizzy lifting drinks. And at this most poignant moment in the movie, Charlie, who has been told by Willy Wonka's great enemy that he will reward him if he steals an everlasting gobstopper, simply walks over to Willy Wonka's desk and leaves the everlasting gobstopper there as he turns towards the door. 
And the best moment, Willy Wonka places his hand on the gobstopper and utters almost inaudibly, so shines a good deed in a weary world. And of course, that was the point. Not the finding of the golden ticket, but whether Charlie would be honest, the one honest child out of the bunch. That was the real test. And Charlie, as you know, wins. He wins everything. I was inspired as a child. I think I was taken to this movie by my parents in an effort to get me to be honest, if only to get me the promise of a lifetime supply of chocolate. Well, the second example I have is from a story last week in the New York Times. I don't know if you read this. It was about a man called Bill Duffy, who 17 years ago made a very expensive mistake. He was the agent for an up-and-coming basketball star at the Miami Heat, a man called Anthony Carter. And his mistake was this. Bill Duffy, who, as I say, was Anthony Carter's agent, failed to notify the Miami Heat by the June 30th deadline that Carter was returning to the team. And the mistake cost Anthony Carter his place on the team and lost him over $3 million as he became a free agent and got a far inferior slot with the Spurs. Bill Duffy, at the time when it came out, was roundly condemned for his failure. In his business, he did something then which was unheard of and quite extraordinary. He promised publicly to pay Anthony Carter back. He said that he would pay every dollar of the $3 million that he owed him. And just this last month, he made the last payment in keeping his promise in their friendship. As he explained to the Times, the mistake and his response to it came to define him as a kind of oddity in the basketball industry. When this happened, he said, I was hearing from a lot of people because I took responsibility. I've had Wall Street people call me and say, man, that happens all the time. Everyone tries to hide from it. They try to pass the buck, but you stood up for it. You took care of it. And he got a name for himself, an honest man in a sometimes questionable profession. And in fact, his business not only survived, it thrived. So shines a good deed in a weary world. Fantastically inspiring stories of honesty. And I want to say to you, if you feel overwhelmed by the darkness this Christmas, turn to the Bible and see there stories of honesty. Or perhaps even in our local newspaper, see the way that the light still shines. But the problem, our problem, is that Charlie Bucket doesn't exist. And that the real cost of innocence and righteousness is more than Bill Duffy or you or I can ever repay. John tells us here, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And to all who received him, who believed in his name, he, the true light, gave the right to become children of God. Now, the honest truth about us is that left to ourselves, we are not lights. We are shadows. Even though the best of us might occasionally show some passing phase of brilliance, even the best, I think we have to be honest about this, even the best of our shaded good deeds 
fades back into the resuming darkness of our lives. But this is the good news that 2,024 Christmases ago, the one John describes as the true light came into the world. And how he shone, how he shone, offering his light to those who would receive it so that here, all of these centuries later, we're still here to celebrate that light and to look to it. John is quite definitive here. You notice he says twice here, he gives light, he says of this true light. He gives light, that's the verb. He gives it. In other words, you cannot earn it. You cannot pay it back. You cannot and you won't ever be able to make yourself somehow into a little light in the kingdom of light. You won't ever by, by study or philanthropy or by taking any number of old ladies across the street be bright enough to win your spot glowing in the kingdom of light. The fact is we cannot do it. We cannot change ourselves. We cannot ignite that light within us. It is something quite beyond our capacity. If we are to receive it, it is because he must give the light to us. In fact, John goes on to say, without that gift, even the best of us fade into the darkness. That's why this message matters. Not simply for you if you are religious, but also for you if you are not. Perhaps particularly so if you don't ever hear this message. And that's why you and I need to ask ourselves when we come to passages like this one that are so old and to some of us so familiar, hearing of this gift, have I ever received it for myself? We've included a little bit of explanation on the back of the worship bulletin as to how you receive him. But it's really nothing particularly complicated. You know, tomorrow, most of us will gather around a tree or around a fireplace or gather next to our favorite snacks and look at a mound of gifts, material gifts, wrapped in bows and wrapping paper, and we will take a good deal of time unwrapping them. I think it's worth thinking as you do that tomorrow that there is one gift that's, for many of us, still left under the tree which we have never picked up and unwrapped, because that is the promise to us at Christmas, that God has given us a gift that we ourselves have not bought, we ourselves have not discovered it and sought it out, we ourselves have not studied for it and found it in some dusty cave, rather it has been brought to us, it has been given to us, the gift is right there in front of you. And all that remains to happen is that you and I should open it and receive it, as John says, we are meant to. And it is vital for us, the Bible says, that we not let a Christmas go by or any day go by without asking ourselves this question and responding to it. Have I received the gift? Have I really and for the people you love and for the people you don't love, have they received the gift that's been offered? 
and have I offered it to them? So here's John's encouragement as this year ends and as another beckons. Don't dismiss this moment. Don't slap God's hand away. If you find yourself having wandered from him, the encouragement of this book over and over again is that you should turn to him. You can do so. He is the God of endless second chances in this life if you will but turn to him and receive from him his mercy to you again. So John says, to all who received him, John tells us, to all that received him, and that word all, if you notice, covers a great many sins. He gave the right, literally the power, the authority, to become children of God, the children of light. And as you are about to hold up lights, even glow sticks, as Luke and Katie will explain to you, in a darkened room, so God calls you by his power and in his mercy to pass the light on that you have received to a weary and dark world. Let's pray. How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. Amen. And now for our last carol, Silent Night, you can all grab your glow sticks. If you don't have some, I believe there's some in the back basket and crack them. And then you can stand in your seat and hold them while we sing the last carol. <laughs>